Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. British Columbia is the first province to sign a tailored funding agreement with the federal government as part of the $196 billion health accord uh, the Prime Minister offered provinces earlier this year. BC will receive $1.2 billion over the next three years from the federal government, marking the first investment in what will be $10 billion, a 10-year plan for collaboration, according to Federal Health Minister Mark Holland, who was uh, uh, in Vancouver today and was there with Health Minister Adrian Dix. Joining me now to talk a little bit about um, the core, the dollars that BC was able to get today is Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Good afternoon, Keith. Hello, Jazz. Hello. So tell me, what does this mean in regards to getting $1.2 billion over the next three years? Well, even though the word billion is used here, when you put it in context of the healthcare system, which is a gargantuan system, on the one hand, it's, I don't want to say diddly squat, but it's, it's not <laughs> a lot of money. So $1.2 billion over three years, put that in context, BC is budgeted to spend close, more than $90 billion on healthcare over three years. So mm-hmm. $1.2 billion, or $400 million a year against a... $28 billion um, uh, expenditure every year is not a lot. It's about 1.5%, less than 1.5%. That's on top of money coming from the general agreement for, with Ottawa. This is, as you call it, the side agreements. And each province is going to uh, sign its own. So where it gets a little more significant when you see where the money goes. If you're just to spread $1.2 billion out across the entire system, you wouldn't even notice a ripple. I mean, it would have zero impact. When it's targeted spending, though, is when you do start to see an impact. So this one in particular, the target is nurses. And so of the $1.2 billion, it's about $400 million a year. About $300 million of that is going to be spent on nurses, and specifically in acute care settings. 83 new care models for nurses. And this all goes to establishing these new what are called nurse-to-patient ratios to ensure that nurses are not overworked or have this roster of patients that is simply unmanageable. This was worked out, in the, I believe, in the nurses' union contract. But to attain those ratios, you need more, literally more money and more nurses. So this is 300, $250 to $350 million a year spent on hiring and retaining nurses. That's the vast majority of the spending here. And because it's targeted into a relatively, not a small area, but a very focused area, mm-hmm. it's probably going to have more impact than just a general increase. The other $85 million a year is for mental health, and that's, that's, again, targeted expenditure. So you've got nurses and mental health, rather than just spreading the money around the entire system, which is why it's expected to have a bigger impact than just a, a general increase. It just gets eaten up by everyone. And at the end of the day, it's also new money. So it's not like you're you're just preserving the present system or you know increasing funding by inflation. These are just new dollars, really, as you say, targeted to very specific er- to specific areas that we're desperately yeah. need help. The money for the uh, the money targeted for nurses is new. The mental health component was announced back in February, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still relatively new. It wasn't there last year. So yeah, this is new money. It's far far short of what the premiers were looking for. If you recall. Last year, the premiers were sounding the alarm that Ottawa had gone from being a 50-50 partner in, in uh, the healthcare system to a 20-70 or 25-75 split, and they're looking for the feds to up their share to close to 40%. 
the feds came back and said, no, not going to do that. So, But they did come up with another $200 billion over 10 years, and of that, almost $50 billion in new money that wasn't there before the premiers began talking. So even though it was far short of what the premiers were looking for, it was still real money and mm-hmm. significant money when you target it to certain areas. In B.C., other provinces took the approach, well, okay, we'll take the smaller than general increase we're looking for, but now we've got this extra money we can target for things that we think are specifically unique to our province. In BC's case, it's nurses and mental health, but nursing in particular. And I note uh, the last update we got from Health Pack of that vaccination program, a vaccination program update mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this year, uh, we've already seen. Uh, According to BC College of Nurses and Physicians, 5,200 new nurses, net new nurses, just hired this year. So we're starting to hire nurses at a greater clip than we've seen for some time. And then earlier you had uh, Richard on about this new accreditation program for, for professions. Already this year, 420 ner- internationally educated nurses have been hired. I think that's probably the highest number in some time. Look for those numbers to literally explode in the coming years. We're going to hire a lot of foreign-trained nurses probably way more than just foreign trained doctors and they're going to be coming into the system and it's going to really swell the ranks of nurses. We need 38,000 healthcare workers, new employees in the next five years. Many of those are nurses. I think if you had to pick one profession in healthcare that needs the most, it's nursing. And this is the big impetus of today's announcement. Um, you know, we had uh, Richard Usman on earlier talking about um, Premier Eby and the town hall today uh, in regards to uh, international credential recognition. I know we spent a lot of time on this session, legislative session, talking about the impact of uh, you know housing legislation, uh, you know banning potentially Airbnb or at least new rules around Airbnb, but this international credential re- re- uh, recognition uh, that is coming from the provincial government could one would argue could have a much far-reaching impact than a lot of uh, the legislation that's planned for this this fall, just simply because there are so many British Columbians that come from other parts of the world that have find it too difficult to get through the system. They've given up, and that's why so many doctors are driving, you know, taxis, engineers exactly. working. In other places where they shouldn't be, they're not doing what they want to be and doing. This could have, you're right. This could have a much more immediate impact. You're already that nursing number I threw out there. 421 nurses just in the last six months, uh, internationally educated, which was just I think we were probably in the dozens a few years ago. Now we're in the hundreds, and that number is going to grow. So I think that bill is going to come in front of the House about accreditations is a huge giant step forward. I think the the origins of that bill, I think, probably go back to the former B.C. Liberal government. Government's been at work on this issue for some time, trying to convince the 50 regulatory colleges and authorities that are out there to get on side and get foreign workers into the jobs. We're going to get 380,000 foreign workers here in the next 10 years, many of them coming from professional backgrounds. We have a dire shortage of particularly professionally trained people in specialized areas, particularly healthcare, And that means literally we need to get more nurses and doctors and technicians and x-ray, you know, radiologists and technicians into the system. They may have been trained in other places, but they got the wherewithal and the skills and they need to go to work. And that's why it's going to happen, I think, quicker than some of the other measures. Well, I think you nailed it on the head of the 50 regulatory bodies. I'm not saying they don't do good work. I think they do. But in many cases, I think the bottleneck has been there. I think the 
political will hasn't been there to at least be play a little tougher with some of these regulatory bodies and say, look, you know, we can say we want to recognize these people, but you know, it, you, if you do a test to, for for a recognition of your of your um, skills, you shouldn't have to wait another eight months for your next test. As Richard was giving in, no. in regards to their example, so there's been a lot of bottlenecks in the system, and we've been talking about this issue for a long time, twenty five years, in my opinion, as a reporter covering this, uh, and simple things like English for a veterinarian, like had, their English had to be impeccable to, to treat your dog, even yeah. though they have the medical training. So we put a lot of barriers in front of people from other and parts of the world. That's reflected in a survey, and I don't know if Richard touched on this survey they did of, um, of foreign-trained professionals and domestic-trained, and the complexity reported by international is like two complexes, 83% amongst international, it's just 56% amongst domestic. Language barriers are significant. You know, there's a lot of non-immigrant people in the education system who do not face the same language barriers that uh, certain uh, immigrants face coming into certain occupations. They're unrealistic in many places, and they have nothing to do with what you have to do in the job. So it seems the colleges are breaking down the barriers. But it's in some cases dragging, kicking and screaming to the table here. And some of it, I think, was protecting turf wars. But as, as we see mass retirements, uh, as the baby boomer generation sails into the sunset, uh, the numbers are not replacing them quick enough, which is why it's in the self-interest now of the colleges to allow foreign-trained workers in to fill the gaps that are being created in so many levels. Well, I think I think the will is there. I just hope it, it in practice uh, uh, it, it's done. It may take a little while, but I think I really do federally and provincially the governments are getting it. It's really getting these colleges yep. and these regulatory bodies to wake up and say, you know what, we can't afford to wait anymore and you can't drag your feet. And if you do, somebody is going to be held accountable because we just will not put up with it anymore. We just I think we turn the proverbial... Um, corner here. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hey, before you go, uh, the vaccine rollout, you don't see any issues. Do you, do you think there's going to be much of an uptake? I, and I'm not saying people don't want to be vaccinated. I think they do. But there's lots of folks I hear going, you know what, I, I've had, um, I need a break. I've done my bit. And I think I'm going to skip this one. What do you think? There's going to be much of an uptake? Oh, there will be an, a significant uptake, but it will not. I don't. And I talked to health authorities about this. They're not expecting as high numbers as we did with the first and second doses. Mm-hmm. But if I was advising a friend right now, I'd say go get your go get your vaccine. I know you're you know you got vaccine vaccination fatigue. I do too. I'm going to get my vaccine because there's a new strain afoot in 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 the world, a new variant. There's a new vaccine that's in to specifically deal with this variant. I've got friends, and you've got friends and colleagues I know are laid low with this latest strain of COVID. Yeah. And this is going to be an annual event. You're going to expect it to get your flu shot. And if you're smart, you'll get one. And if you're smart, you'll get an annual COVID shot. And that vaccine is going to be constantly modified as the flu vaccine changes every year. The flu vaccine you're getting this year is likely different than the one last year or the year before. It's part of life now is getting an annual vaccination. It used to be for one. Now it's for two. It may be for three viruses or even four in the years ahead, but that's the new reality. Yeah. Key, thank you. All right. Take care.